नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय हरे कृष्णा सो टुडे इट्स दी ऑस्पिशियस ओकेजन ऑफ रामनवमी and i know devotees all over melbourne are feeling a lot of separation because we are not having the festival in the temple um so today we are not going to do our regular bhagavatam verse we are going to discuss the glories of lord ram and therefore we've chosen a verse from chaitanya charitramrita madhya leela uh, chapter 22 text 34 sakradeva prapanno yas sakradeva तस्म तस्म मम याचतेस सर्वदा ऑलवेज तस्मै अंटू हिम ददामी आई गिव एकथम वाव मम माई ट्रांसलेशन एंड पर्पोर्ट बाय हिज डिवाइन श्रीला प्रभुपाद ट्रांसलेशन इट इज माय वाव दैट इफ ओनली वंस seriously surrenders unto me that if one only once seriously surrenders unto me saying my dear lord from this day i am yours and praise to me for courage i shall immediately award courage to that person and he will always remain safe from that time on please repeat the translation it is my vow it is my vow that if one only once 
seriously surrenders unto me, saying, My dear Lord, from this day I am yours, and praise to me for courage. I shall immediately award courage to that person. And he will always remain safe from that time on. Uh, there's only a single line purport to this verse. Um, the purport says, This verse is from Sri Ramayan Yuddhakand 18.33 and it was spoken by Lord Ramachandra. Om Agyanati Mirandasya Jnanandana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Thapitam ye nabhutale Svayam rupa kadamaniyam Dadati svapadantikam Mukam parotiva chalam Pangum langayate girim Yatripata maham vande Shri guru dinatarinam Vancha kalpata rubhyascha Kripa sindhu vyayevacha Patitanam pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo namo namoha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 so seeking blessings of all the Vaishnavas, um, we will start the narration about the pastimes of Lord Ram. Uh, it is said that it is very auspicious to discuss the glories and pastimes of a personality on the appearance or disappearance day because on those days they are very merciful and by hearing their glories we are invoking their mercy and attracting their blessings on all of us. So um, this verse has been quoted by Srila Prabhupada, obviously Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking this verse. It was originally spoken by Lord Ram, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking this verse while describing the glories of devotional service. Uh, this verse also has been quoted in the Srimad Bhagavatam in Canto 10, chapter 87, verse 32. Uh, the chapter is Prayers of Personified Vedas. So the disciples of Srila Prabhupada have also quoted this verse. It's an often quoted verse when we talk about the quality of fearlessness. So as, as it is mentioned in the translation, Lord Ram is speaking this verse and he is saying that it is my vow that if one only once surrenders unto me seriously, saying that my dear Lord I am yours and prays for courage, the Lord awards immediate fearlessness to that person. And the Lord is saying that this is my vow, he will stay under my protection from that time onwards. So this particular verse actually gives lots of hope, lot of hope for devotees, especially practicing devotees like all of us who are in the Krishna consciousness movement trying to perfect this human form of life and make our way back to Godhead. Because we see that in this particular world, especially, you know, given the current situation that is there in the world right now, the world is completely full of fear. There are so many situations in this world which keep making us fearful. 
it might be our own mind which makes us fearful because you know our mind keeps succumbing especially speaking of me it keeps succumbing to the onslaught of maya to different forms of sense gratification that come up or different desires that suddenly come up so the mind keeps succumbing to that that is one fear which we have in our mind in fact shri la prabhupad was saying once to his disciples he said that the only um, the only concern i have about my disciples is that they do not fear maya enough because once prabhupad was intensely praying in front of the deities and one of the disciples was very intrigued so out of curiosity he asked shri la prabhupad he said that prabhupad what do you pray for so intensely to the deities and prabhupad was saying that i was uh, prabhupad said that i was praying to the deities that let me not fall down in this material world i don't want to fall away from the path of krishna consciousness and the devotees were very surprised that prabhupad is also you know he's we you know he's come from vaikun uh, from the spiritual world to save fallen condition souls like all of us so still prabhupad is saying these prayers and that time prabhupad says he says that i have this fear that my disciples are not fearing maya enough they feel that they are above maya and they have now they are in the path of bhakti so it's all good well and good they are going to stay firmly on this path but he said that we have to at every step in time we have to be fearful of maya because the uh, the effect or the influence of maya devi is so strong that from any platform we can fall down and we have the big example of bharat maharaj in bhagavatam he had reached bhava platform but even from that platform he fell down because he was not you know keeping association or devotees that's another um, past time but this is what lord ram is saying over here and we see in this world right now the situation is quite fearful like it strikes fear in our hearts also to read about the death toll that is happening because of corona virus i was just reading a few days ago on dandwats.com one more devotee in london has you know lost has passed away on 30th march there was one more devotee in london who passed away so these are elderly devotees and it is written he was like a spiritual warrior so he was like a fighter devotee like getting things done in krishna consciousness but he also succumbed to corona virus and he passed away so it is quite fearful when we see you know in the devotional life also people are going like succumbing to this disease so it does strike some fear in our heart as to what's going to happen in further how is this going to pan out when is this going to end all of us are actually looking forward to this whole phase ending that like i was discussing with some devotees like we had heard during world wars that there would be rationing and you know people would form queues outside grocery stores to get groceries but i was thinking in my lifetime i will never see such a day but here we are we have lived to see this day where you know woolworths puts notices outside their door saying that we will only give two packets per person of packaged food so and there are queues like two weeks ago i had gone to woolworths in the morning after my seva here and i was standing in a long queue just for the doors to open and go inside i never realized that we queue at outside woolworths but we are actually seeing this day today we have lived to see this day when the world like the effects of kalyuga strong or song that strong that we are you know that such a day has come in kalyuga so we are all waiting that this quickly gets over we are all beyond this we are all happily again engaged we are like you know grahastha devotees who can't come to the temple can now start visiting the temple regularly we are all waiting for that day but we see that these situations can strike fear but over here lord ramchandra is giving that assurance he is saying that only once someone needs to sincerely go to him and that's not only lord ram obviously any form of the supreme personality of god him just sincerely go to him once and with full heartful prayers we uh, we we tell him we tell the lord that oh lord please accept me i am yours 
and the lord promises that whichever condition someone comes to me in i will accept that person completely under my protection that person will be so you know this this goes to show that how how compassionate our lord is and how reciprocating our lord is it's just us who has to go to him he's ready he's waiting with open arms to accept us but it is us who has to take that step to go to the lord so in fact the glories of Ra- lord ram listening to lord ram's pastimes and listening to his names have been given in the 5th chapter of the ramayan text 65 there it is mentioned that if one hears the ramayan with full faith and devotion one can get rid of sins which he has accu- accumulated over hundreds of lifetimes so he can get rid of get rid of sins which he might not even have thought of those those many number of sins one person can get rid of and thousands of generations can get liberated just by listening to the ramayan once with full faith and this verse in the ramayan was actually spoken by sanat kumar to narad muni when he was saying glorification of the ramayan and then narad muni in turn continues the glorification of lord rams of the mahima or the uh, importance of hearing lord rams names and that time narad muni quotes a very beautiful story so narad muni talks about a personality called um, Kal- kalaki vyadha So Kalaki Vyadha was a plunderer. He was a thief, like a big time thief. And in the story, he also talks about a very compassionate Muni called Uttama Muni. So this Kalaki Vyadha was used to plundering people, like we know about Valmiki, who wrote the Ramayana. And he was used to plundering people. He was used to killing people. He was used to stealing, you know, property which was other people's properties, burning their their houses. So. it is mentioned in the ramayana that he could commit sins which you know even jagayan like he had completely surpassed jagayan madai also so many sins he would commit somebody would commit those many sins maybe in their lifetime he could commit that many sins in one day it is mentioned by narad muni so he was so sinful and he would go from city to city plundering wealth from different cities so once he comes to a beautiful city and he sees it was actually a very rich like a very rich city and he saw that there were opulent palaces beautiful palaces were there people's houses were also very beautiful everybody was very opulently dressed and he saw there was so much wealth in the palaces in the houses normal houses of people also there was so many so much wealth was there and he saw beautiful temples also in that city and the temples were also full of wealth the deities were very gorgeously dressed with gold ornaments and they were decorated very nicely the whole altars used to be decorated nicely So he goes into one such temple at the, in night in the night. He waited for the night, and he goes into one such temple, and he sees while going inside that there was a sage who was uh, sitting over there in deep meditation. So he just crosses that sage, and he goes inside. He, he, you know, his eyes were closed, so he thought the sage is not going to catch hold of me. So he goes inside. He takes all the wealth, like all the jewelry and uh, any silver articles, everything that was lying in the temple. He takes all that, and he's starting to run away. and on his way out like by mistake he actually um, hits his toe he hits his foot against this uttama muni who was meditating and he then you know gets irritated because obviously thieves after they have stolen something they want to quickly run away so he actually trips after he hits it so he takes out his sword and he keeps it on the chest of uttama muni and he is about to cut off his head he is about to kill him and uttama muni says with deep compassion he was a very self realized soul So he says with deep compassion in his heart, looking at the deplorable condition of um, this uh, thief, he says that you are completely doomed. I can see that the way you have led your life, your destiny is not looking very good in the future. 
So why are you wasting this human form of life? My dear child, just hear the glories of the Lord and save your human form of life. Save from being doomed and save from going into the hellish condition of life after this lifetime is over. So because this Muni says with so much compassion, it has a very deep effect on Kalaki Vyadha's heart. Now, you know, we might, especially again speaking of me, we might tell this to other people that, you know, oh, this human, don't waste your human form of life, you know, do take up the path of devotional service. But only when we come from that premise of deep compassion, seeing the suffering of conditioned souls in this world, like we knew Srila Prabhupada, once in Melbourne, in fact, I think it had happened, Prabhupada was on a walk and he was waiting at the pedestrian crossing to uh, cross the signal, the traffic light. And he saw, you know, the morning rush in Melbourne. So he saw that people were like just rushing, cars were whizzing past by. And Prabhupada, there were tears coming down from Prabhupada's eyes. And when devotee asked, Prabhupada, why are you crying? What happened suddenly? And Prabhupada says that, you know, these people are rushing and working like asses, you know, so hard in offices. And I'm just thinking that their, their spiritual, their, you know, their uh, eternal father is waiting in the spiritual world. Just waiting to, you know, get them back home, welcome them back home. But these people don't want to go back there. And over there, they won't have to work like this. They have, you know, it's, they don't have to, um, you know, completely stressed and, you know, burn themselves out in trying to please some bosses in office. They will just be able to enjoy with their eternal father without doing any work. But look at the condition of these people. They are just busy rushing here and there and just busy in working hard in this material world and staying in the cycle of birth and death. So Prabhupada had so much deep compassion and because of that deep compassion that Prabhupada had in his heart, he was able to touch the lives of millions of people. And even now, although he is not there in this uh, planet, his books, because they have been written from the platform of deep compassion, anybody who reads his book or touches his book also, it, you know, that compassion touches that person and we have seen many people's hearts get transformed just by reading Prabhupada's words in his books. So similarly, this Uttama Muni, he spoke with such deep compassion that there was a change of heart which happens in Kalaki, uh, uh, Kalaki Vyadha. He immediately pays obeisances to Uttama Muni and he says that thank you so much for opening my eyes. Now you, you guide me further, what should I do? How can I perfect this human form of life? Because I have wasted so many years in plundering people's wells and killing people and all, but now how do I save myself? Is there any solace for people like me who spent a life full of sin? And Uttama Muni actually assures him. He says that you sit down and you hear the Ramayana. And if you hear the Ramayana with full faith, it is definitely going to give you salvation. It is definitely going to take you back to Godhead. So Kalaki Vyada sits down and fortunately it was the month of Chaitra, the month when Lord Ram is born. So that was the month going on and he sits down and hears Ramayana. And it is mentioned that on the ninth day, he actually leaves his body while hearing Ramayana. And when he leaves his body, there is a Vaikuntha airplane that comes with all the Vaikuntha damsels who come to take him back to the spiritual world. And Kalakiryada not forgetting the role that Uttamamani played, so out of played in his life, so out of gratitude, he goes and pays obeisances to Uttamamani, thanking him for showing him the right path. And then he climbs the airplane and he goes back. So this is how the glories of Ramayana are described by Narad Muni in Ramayana. So we see that by hearing the Lord's pastimes and by meditating on the Lord's pastimes, by discussing the Lord's pastimes, we can see that our mind can become free from fear. And that is what the Lord is promising over here. 
So fearlessness means he will give protection and Krishna also says he gives protection to his devotees who surrender unto him. In Bhagavad Gita, the law of Krishna also promises that. So it does not mean that it will give protection like devotees won't get diseases or something like that. Like we saw some devotees are succumbing to this coronavirus which is going on. But the meaning is that it will give us freedom from anxieties. It will give us freedom. It will always give us protection. Our Krishna consciousness will be protected always. So that is what Narad Muni is stressing through these pastimes. He is saying that by hearing the Lord's pastimes, our mind will become completely free from anxieties. It will become free from all the stress and the fears that we have of, you know, because people are right now very fearful in Australia, whether they will have their jobs. Like I was mentioning last time, 90,000 people have lost their jobs already and I'm sure the count has increased. And some of my office colleagues were saying there are big queues outside Centrelink. So the government, I don't know how the government is going to cope up with all this. Like obviously it's a big drain on the economy. But yeah, that is the situation right now which is going on. So people are fearful, but you know, this, this particular like absorbing ourselves and hearing the pastimes of the Lord will definitely give us a freedom from all these fears of the material world. In fact, I was listening to a class by His Grace Amogvina Prabhu and he was saying that if we feel, you know, if we start seeing that we are in too much anxiety or stress because of, you know, some certain situations, material situations in our life, be it office or any other situation, he is saying that, that does, he was saying that it, it means that we are not going inwards, we are not putting our head down in the Bhagavatam or the scriptures and we are, you know, ulajrai, in Hindi we say, we are too much ulajrai with the outside world or we are too much um, battling with the outside world. So he says that it's time, whenever we see this happening, the anxiety levels increasing and we, you know, feeling of being affected by every little material thing that comes our way, that means we are not taking enough shelter of the scriptures. So that was a really good point I felt that absorb, like put your head down in the scriptures and definitely we will get freedom from all these anxieties. So this verse which, you know, we are discussing today, this verse comes in the Yuddhakand. And just giving a little bit of background, why Lord Ramchandra was speaking this verse. So this verse happens, the youth has already started and this verse happens when Vibhishan comes to take shelter of Lord Ram. And there is a very beautiful exchange that happens when Vibhishan is coming through the sky. Some of the monkeys, like obviously when a war is happening, there will always be spies on both sides. So some of the monkey spies from Lord Ram's side, they get a bit alarmed because they can see, they knew Vibhishan is Ravan's brother. And they see he's flying through the sky. You know, all these demons had the power of flying. So he was flying through the sky and he was coming towards Lord Ram. And the first thing was alarm that maybe he's coming to attack. He's coming on the order of Lord Ram, or of Ravana. So when they see him come, there is a big discussion that happens because Vibhishan comes, he gets down and he comes and he says to Lord Ram that Lord Ram, I want to surrender myself to you. You please accept me under your shelter and protection. And then Lord Ram, you know, even though he is the king and he was the supreme personality of Godhead, he would always consult his ministers and like other seniors. So he consulted Sugriva and he consulted other monkey soldiers, the leading monkey soldiers. And they all said, no Lord, you should not accept him because he is Ravana's brother. He is also a demon. Remember that. What if he has come here in the garb of taking shelter of you and then he has come to accomplish some mission of Ravana. And he might kill you or he might kill all of us. So I would suggest, like, you know, all the monkey soldiers were saying, I, we would suggest just kick him out from here and send him back to Lanka. And then Lord Ram goes to Hanuman. And Hanuman says, Hanuman says that, no, Lord Ram, he is a devotee of yours. Because when I went to search, when I was searching for Mother Sita in um, Lanka, 
I could hear the name of Ram, Ram, Ram being chanted. And when I went and saw, there was a little hut in which Vibhishan used to live. And he said that I saw that all over his hut, Ram, Ram, Ram was written. And he was continuously chanting and meditating on your holy names. In fact, as is mentioned, when once Ravana visits Vibhishan's uh, place, and he sees Ram Ram written over there and Ravana becomes very angry. He says that, what is this? Are you my brother or are you on the enemy's side? How come there is Ram Ram written all over here? So Vibhishan, you know, because demons can be easily fooled by satisfying or by fanning their egos. So Vibhishan says, no, no, Ravan, this is not Ram's name. This is your name which is written over here. And he says, how? So he says, see this Ra, that stands for Ravan and Ma stands for Mandodari. So I am continuously chanting your and your wife's name. So he, he fooled Ravan like that, but obviously he was he's a great devotee of the Lord. He was continuously chanting the, the name of Lord Ram. So actually he gives this assurance. Hanuman gives this assurance to Lord Ram. And that time the Lord says this verse. Because the, except for Hanuman, all the other monkey soldiers were actually against. They were saying, no, don't, don't accept Vibhishan into our, our, our side. <coughs> Send him back to Lanka and that time the Lord says this beautiful verse he's saying that what, what we read that even you know what to speak of Vibhishan today even if Ravan comes to me and once he says that forgive me my Lord I have made a mistake but now I have realized and I'm surrendering my life to you I will accept him so what to speak of Vibhishan who is a devotee of mine but even Ravan comes I will accept him so he actually accepts lovingly he lovingly accepts Vibhishan into his side and then he tells Vibhishan, he promises him, he says that I will make you the king of Lanka. I am giving you that promise. And obviously that means Ravana is going to be killed by Ram. That was the indication. So when I kill Ravana, I will make you the king of Lanka. And then Hanuman questioned Lord Ram. He said that you just now said that if Ravan comes to you and asks for forgiveness and asks to be you know, taken under your shelter, you will give him shelter and forgive him. Then what will he do if you have already given his kingdom to uh, Vibhishan? So Lord Ram says that I will give Ayodhya to Ravan if he comes and surrenders to me. This is the level of compassion the Lord has and the level of detachment. So then Hanuman further questions. He says that but right now Bharat is the king of Ayodhya. He has been ruling the kingdom although on your behalf but he is ruling the kingdom. So what will you give to, what will you give to Bharat? So Lord Ram says to Hanuman that I will give my Vaikuntha to Bharat. He can rule over my Vaikuntha. And then Hanuman asks Lord Ram. He said that if you give Vaikuntha to Bharat, where will you go my Lord? Because you are the ruler of Vaikuntha, then where will you go? And then Ram says that I will eternally reside in the heart of my devotees. So this is our Lord who is so compassionate. He just wants to reside in our hearts. He is not you know, wanting to go anywhere, any big palaces, any big occupant kingdoms. He just wants to reside in the heart of a devotee that is full of love for him. In fact, that is why it is said, you know, one of the names of the Lord is Hari. Because he is here, he's come here to steal our hearts. But, you know, Prabhupada says in many of his um, books that unless our heart is pure, why will the Lord come and steal that heart? Like, you know, when we invite a guest home, we want to, you, especially, you know, in Graha, speaking of again Grahastas, when guests are going to come, that special cleaning starts happening in the house. Otherwise, the house is sometimes not so clean. But, you know, when guests are coming, all, you know, jhadu, pocha, everything starts happening in the house. 
So because we want to invite the guest into a clean house, so in the same way Prabhupada says that when we are inviting Krishna to come and steal our heart, it has to be clean. We have to take the efforts to clean it off of all the anarthas. So this is what the Lord is assuring, that I will go and stay in the hearts of my devotees. So after this, we'll go to Navadvipdham um, to see Lord Ram's pastimes in relation to Navadvipdham. So there is a place in Navadvipdham called Mamagachi. It is in Modadrumadvipa. And Lord Nityanand Prabhu, when he took Jiva Goswami on a tour of uh, Navadvipdham, he actually was explaining to Jiva Goswami that Modadrumadvipa is non-different to Ayodhya. So uh, uh, Ram, Sita and Lakshman, when they were in exile, they actually come and visit um, and they stay in Modadrumadvipa during that time for some time. And there is, there is a beautiful banyan tree or Vattavriksha it's called. So there is a beautiful banyan tree in Modadrumadvipa and Lord Ram sees that banyan tree and he tells Lakshman. He says that by, please create, like make a small kutir over here and we will stay over here for some time. This is such a beautiful place so we are going to stay here. So Lakshman on the order of Lord Ram creates a beautiful kutir for him made of you know leaves and grass and uh, tree um, branches and all that. And then once Lord Ram is sitting inside that um, kutir and he is in deep meditation, his eyes are closed and he is smiling, he is almost laughing and Sita Mata observes Lord Ram is smiling like that. So Sita Mata asks Lord Ram, she wakes him up like she takes him out of his meditation and she asks him. My Lord, why are you smiling so nicely? There is such a serene uh, smile and expression on your face. So you please explain to me. I am very curious to know what were you meditating on. And Lord Ram tells Sita that in the future, I am going to take birth in Navadvip Dham. I am going to come in, the, in a golden complexion form and I am going to dance and chant in ecstasy. And I am going to spread the holy name of the Lord. And I am going to, you know, plunder this wealth and give frame the Krishna Prem or love of Godhead to everybody without seeing their qualification. And looking at that whole particular pastime, I'm smiling because that there is not, no other uh, incarnation which is more merciful than that particular incarnation of, of my incarnation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he says, I can further see that I will take sannyas, I will don orange robes and when I take sannyas, I can see in my meditation that my mother uh, will be crying incessantly with my wife in her arms. So as soon as he says that, Sita's antenna goes up. So Sita Mata asks, she gets a bit alarmed and she asks that, Lord, why will your mother be crying with your wife in her, in your, in, in her arms? What is this pastime? You get married and then you are taking sannyas? So then Lord Ram explains the whole path, like the whole philosophy to her of uh, Sambhoga and Vipralambha. And in that exchange, Lord Ram says, he says that the meaning of Sambhoga is union of beloveds. Like, you know, the whole philosophy which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to explain to all of us. But the meaning of Vipralamba is love and separation. Where actually the lovers feel more united in separation from each other. So we know, you know, like in Navadvipdham, we still say there is, there is a temple of Vishnu Priya Devi. There is not much which is discussed about her after Lord Chaitanya takes sannyas. But she spends the rest of her life just chanting the names of Lord Chaitanya and worshipping a deity of Chaitanya, like a deity form of Lord Chaitanya. And it is said that she would just, you know, keep uh, counting grains of rice, like she would keep uh, chanting the names of Lord and uh, keeping one one grain of rice and on that grain of rice she would chant. And at the end of the day, whatever grains of rice she would have collected during my chanting. Now you can imagine one grain of rice, how much would you collect at the end of the day? 
and only that much she would cook and eat. That is how Vishnupriya had led the rest of her life. So Lord Ram further explains. He says that that today who is the my mother who is Kaushalya will appear as Sachi Mata in that particular incarnation, and you Sita Devi will appear as my consort Vishnupriya. So this is how he explains. And then he says that you know this Vatavriksha after we go will. Still be there, so it is still there. Like we can't see it right now. Obviously, it's gone away from the uh, material vision, but that it is still there in its spiritual form. That riksha under which uh, Lakshman builds the hut is still there. So then, Lord Ram further explains. He says that this Navadvip Dham and especially this Moda Druma Dvipa. So it is explained that Moda means tree and Druma means happiness. So when Lord Ram was living over there, many people would come to visit him in his kutir. to take his blessings to take darshan of lord ram many people would come and lord ram whoever would come lord ram would grant them eternal happiness obviously you know taking direct darshan of the lord you are going to you are you are definitely assured of getting that so that is why that place's name is moda druma dvipa that sitting under the moda the tree the lord was giving druma happiness to everybody who came to visit him and then lord ram tells sita mata he says that this navadvip dham is non different from ayodhya completely non different from ayodhya and it is more dear to me than ayodhya so he says obviously it's ayodhya is also very dear to me but it is this dham is more dear to me than ayodhya because in this dham i will be coming to give love of godhead to everybody without any uh, prerequisites like without any qualifications so then sita asks many questions to lord ram he says that how will this incarnation be why you will be dancing in ecstasy what will be your pastimes and then lord ram tells sita that you close your eyes and i will give you darshan of that whole past time so sita mata also closes her eyes and lord ram gives her that vision where she is able to see goranga mahaprabhu along with nityanand prabhu and all his associates chanting and dancing in ecstasy singing the names of the lords hare krishna hare krishna krishna krishna, krishna hare 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 rama hare Sita Mata, when she sees this divine vision, she also falls unconscious, and you know she also goes into ecstasy, seeing this divine form. So this is how Lord Ram has connection even to with uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leelas and with the, uh, the holy dham of Navadvip. In fact, it is described by Bhakti Vinod Thakur. It is described in the biography of Bhakti Vinod Thakur that he also visits Mamagachi, and when he visits there, he goes to see this kutir. under the vatavriksha like we said so he goes to see this kutir which has been still preserved and he goes and takes darshan and he actually gets darshan of sita ram lakshman you know being the pure devotee that bhakti vinod thakur was and he ha- he has a vision where sita ram and lakshman are standing over there during the time when they were there in treta yuga living in modadruma dvipa and then lakshman comes and puts his hand lovingly on bhakti vinod thakur's head and like caressing his back and then lakshman tells bhakti vinod thakur that here are some fruits he says that oh you have come to my kuti our kutir but because we are living in this forest we are not able to offer you any big feasts or anything like that because we are forest dwellers we just survive on kandamul and fruits like on roots and berries and fruits so here are some fruits for you which have got please accept them as as a gesture of my hospitality so lakshman himself gives these fruits to bhakti vinod thakur and uh, it's described in the book that when bhakti vinod thakur comes out of his ecstasy he actually still has those fruits and he takes prasad he partakes of those fruits which lakshman gives him 
Um, so after that, it is described that after staying in Modadurvamadi, Lord Ram actually went to Jagannath Puri as well. And he stayed there and there there is a river called Suvarna Rekha where uh, Lord uh, Ram established a temple of Rameshwar Mahadev. And after that, he goes back to uh, Dandakaranya forest. So after, and then he stays there in Dandakaranya forest for some time. And Lord Ram has a deep connection with uh, Krishna Leela also, with Vrindavan also. So we saw the connection with Mayapur or Navadvip Dham. And he also has connection with Vrindavan. So it is described that during his incarnation as Lord Krishna in Dwapar Yuga, Lord Krishna was still in uh, Vrindavan as a cowherd boy, as a Gwala. And he and all the gopis along with Radharani were once uh, having their pastimes in Kamyavan. And we know the meaning of Kamyavan. Kam means desire. So Kamyavan is a one which fulfills everyone's desires. So sitting over there, all the gopis headed by Radharani, they asked Lord uh, Krishna. They say that we have heard that you were actually Lord Ram in your previous incarnation. Is that true? And then Krishna says, he feigns ignorance and he says that no, I am a simple cowherd boy. I am Nanda's uh, Lala and I am Yashoda's child. I was no Ram Ram. So, but the gopis keep insisting. They say, no, no, we have heard that you were Lord Ram in your previous lifetime and you show us that form. So, Krishna keeps telling them, he keeps assuring them that no, I am just Nanda's Lala. I am a simple cowherd boy. Look, these are all my cowherd friends. These are my cows. I just, you know, do cowherding. Where I would be Lord Ram? But then the, you know, the ultimate weapon Radharani and the gopis had. They tell that if you don't show us your form as Lord Ram, we are not going to talk to you from tomorrow. And, you know, we know the pure personified, like we read in Damodarashtakam, uh, pure personified is afraid of Lord Krishna, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But these simple cowherd damsels could actually make the, make the Lord fearful. So immediately becomes, actually he becomes fearful that, oh, the gopis will not talk to me from tomorrow. In fact, when Lord Krishna was a child and he would be playing, playing with all the cowherd boys, Yashoda Maya, because, you know, like we see uh, children when they get engrossed in play, they forget about other things. So Yashoda Maya would have to keep sending someone to call Krishna and Balram for lunch because they would be absorbed in playing, they would not come for lunch. And then none of the gopis would be successful in getting Krishna and Balram back. So Yashoda Maya would herself go and she would say, Krishna and Balram, your father is waiting, can you all come right now? And she, they, she would chastise them. So then Krishna, out of fear again of Mother Yashoda, he would get up and start going. And then all the cowherd boys, because obviously the play is getting disrupted and the cowherd boys don't want to lose the association of Lord Krishna. So they would give him dhamki. Dhamki means they would threaten Lord Krishna. They would tell him that Krishna, if you are, you are spoiling the game and going away like this, when we are in the midst of a game, that too I, we can see that you are actually going to lose. That is why you are going away with Mother Yashoda. So tomorrow we will not allow you to, we will not include you in our play. We will not allow you to play with us. You know, we see children doing that in courtyard. Say, hey, if you go away, we won't include you in our play. And Krishna and Balaram actually take that threat very seriously. They get fearful. And they feel that, oh, our friends will not allow us to play from tomorrow if we don't continue. So they actually take their hand away from Yashoda Maya's hand and they run back to complete the play. So this is how the Lord is, you know, he is assuring in this particular statement that he will grant fearlessness to whoever surrenders to him. But he is fearful of these simple cowherd boys and cowherd girls in Vrindavan. So um, when, the, when Radharani and all the gopis tell him in Kamyavan that, you know, we are not going to uh, talk to you from tomorrow, Krishna becomes very fearful. 
So he says, okay, all you gopis go and sit down on one side and all the cowherd boys be on this side. And then he tells the gopis, you all close your eyes. And when all the gopis close their eyes, and then he says, okay, open them. They, they see that this beautiful blue boy, Krishna, has now transformed into the fresh grass green color, durva grass green color of Lord Ram. And instead of flute, he is holding a bow and arrow. And Balaram has become Lakshman. And all the cowherd boys who were present over there, they have all become monkeys. So the gopis have this vision, they see this, that, that transformation which Lord Krishna does, just to satisfy the gopis. And then within a few minutes, you know, the whole forest manifests over there of Dandakarana, which the Lord crosses along with all the monkey soldiers, the cowherd boys who have become monkeys. And there is a huge ocean which manifests over there at the end of the forest. And that is the ocean which Lord uh, Ram crossed. So, and in that huge ocean, all the monkeys, they put stones and there are huge boulders which they put on the ocean. And in few minutes, a huge bridge is formed. And then Krishna in the form of Lord Ram along with Lakshman and all the cowherd boys in the form of monkeys cross that bridge and they reach on the other side of the ocean. And to make the pastime real, there is Ravana also who comes on the other side of the ocean with his ten heads and he's laughing ha 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 like that and trying to attack Krishna or Lord Ram. And uh, Lord Ram, Krishna in the form of Lord Ram takes his bow and arrow, he aims it at the navel of Ravan and he kills Ravan over there. And then victorious, they all come back on that bridge, back to uh, where the gopis were sitting. And he again tells them that now close your eyes. And then when the gopis open their, reopen their eyes, they see that Ram is again back in the, his original form as Krishna. So this whole pastime, the gopis have this whole uh, vision or darshan of this whole pastime. In a few minutes, he shows them the complete Ramayana. And even today, like the ocean has obviously dried up, but even today, I have not been to Kamyavan, but I was listening in a class that even today those big boulders are still there, over there, and that Ashok Vatika is there, and that forest is there, which all the cowherd boys crossed. So all that is still there in Kamyavan, and we can still take darshan. So this is how Lord Ram's pastime is connected to Kamyavan. So um, coming back to now, you know, Lord Ram's own birth and all, so there was... Dashrath Maharaj was ruling the kingdom of Ayodhya for many, many years. And it is described that he had, I think, 230 wives or something like that. And he was already 60,000 years old. And he did not, like that time people used to live for, they had long lives. And in his 60,000th year, he still did not have any child. So he actually gathers all his ministers and everyone and he says that the kingdom, because Ayodhya was an opulent kingdom under Dashrath Maharaj's rule. Everything that the citizens desired was there. It is in fact described that Shani Dev would never cast his glance upon um, Ayodhya when Dashrath Maharaj was ruling. So you know how we see like there are temples in India where people go and pray to Shani Dev. And the only prayer which people do to Shani Dev is don't cast your eye on me, just stay away from me. You know because in our astrology, according to astrology we Everybody in that one their lifetime gets this Shani Dasha. Like I have Sade Sati going on for seven and a half years and all that. We get that Shani Dasha sometimes when good things don't happen in our life. So, but because Dashrath Maharaj was such a powerful warrior and the way he used to kill, uh, rule Ayodhya, Shani Dev would never cast his glance upon um, Ayodhya. So, there was so much opulence in Ayodhya. But the only thing Dashrath Maharaj was distressed about was that he didn't have any child. So that time, you know, all the sages re recommend to him that you must do what is called as a Putra Kameshti Yagya. 
and there is a uh, person called as uh, Rishya Shringa who was actually Dashrath Maharaj's son-in-law only. So Dashrath Maharaj had a daughter called Shanta, but he did not have any sons. And we know that in those days to carry forward the lineage and for you know the kings to rule, continue ruling the earth nicely, the king had to have a son. So he had this daughter Shanta and Dashrath Maharaj had a very close friend called Romapad, King Romapad. And because Romapad also didn't have any children, Dashrath Maharaj allowed Shanta to grow up in the kingdom of Romapad. And when Shanta becomes of age, he uh, gets her married to uh, Rishya Shringa. And there is a big pastime about Rishya Shringa also, which we will not discuss, but his father keeps him protected. He was following strong Brahmacharya and he did not allow him to see any male throughout his lifetime. But then ultimately he became a Grahastha. He married this um, Dashrath Maharaj's daughter Shanta. So Rishya Shringa was invited to conduct that whole sacrifice, the Putra Kameshti Yajna. And at the end of the whole sacrifice, which was done by Rishya Shringa, there was a blackish effulgent personality who emerges from that um, uh, fire sacrifice. And he is holding a beautiful golden pot, an effulgent golden pot he was holding. And at that time, you know, when the, uh, before he gives the pot, when the Putra Kameshti Yajna was going on, Dashrath Maharaj was obviously praying under the directions of Rishya Shringa that, um, you know, please give me a son who will help me carry forward my lineage and all that. But at the same time, the demigods were playing, praying to Lord Brahma. And they were praying to Lord Brahma that, uh, oh Lord Brahma, you have to do something about this Ravana. He is a demon who, is, who has completely terrorized the whole material world and it's all because of the boons that you have given. You showed mercy, you gave him some boons and now he has completely terrorized. Even Indra was praying that my kingdom is gone. You know, it is described that Ravana when he would just raise an eyebrow because it was a bit hot, then Varun they would immediately, you know, there would be rain coming or, you know, wind god would have to send wind. So he didn't need, need any air conditioners and all that. He had to raise an eyebrow and the demigods would adjust the whole atmosphere, the weather for him. So he was so strong, everybody was under his thumb, like under his control. But the demigods were completely fed up and tired of this uh, Ravana's uh, rule and his atrocities. Any Brahmins who would try to conduct sacrifices or any devotional activities, Ravana would come, you know, order them to be killed. That is how a demoniac king he was. So while this Yajna was going on, the demigods are praying to um, Brahma. And they are saying that please do something. We need something to happen so that this Ravana is taken care of. And that time the Supreme Personality of God and Vishnu appears over there when the demigods are praying. And he tells them that don't worry, I will take birth soon to vanquish this demon king Ravana. And because Ravana was so puffed up that when he was asking for boons, like he should be immortal and not be killed by this, that like we see Hiranyakashipu also do. He was so puffed up he felt that he has no threat from the human race. So he never asked for that boon that he should not be killed by a human. He asked for boons not to be killed by demigods, this, that, so many boons he asked. But because of his ego, he didn't ask for the human form boon. Like he should not be killed by a human. And therefore, Vishnu was telling all the demigods and Brahma that I will appear as a human being to vanquish this Ravana. And oh demigods, all of you also appear to help me, uh, you know, execute this pastime. But all of you take birth in three races. One is the Bhalu race, which is bears. The other was Langur, which is another uh, a type of monkey. And Vanars, which is the proper monkeys like Hanuman and all that. So all of you also take birth as in these three races. 
and assist me in executing the killing of Ravana. So it is said that you know the demigods all assure the Lord. So Vayu, Lord Vayu came as Hanuman. Surya Dev came as the son of Sugriv. Indra came as Vali. Kuber uh, came as Gandamadana. Vishwakarma came as Nala. Uh, Agni Dev came as Neela. And Varuna came as Sushaina. So these were all leading monkey soldiers in that particular, in Lord Ram's army. So all the demigods take birth along with Lord Ram. And uh, the Vishnu tells that I will take birth. Right now Dashrat Maharaj is doing this Putra Kameshti Yajya. So I will take birth from his wife's womb. So giving that assurance to the demigods, he returns to his abode. And over here this black personality comes with the pot of Kheer. And he gives it to Dashrat Maharaj to give to his principal wives. So what Dashrat Maharaj does, he gives it to his, obviously the eldest wife who was Kaushalya, the most qualified wife. He divides that Kheer into half. So he gives one half to Kaushalya and the second half he again divides it into two and he gives one to Kaikeyi and then the remaining he again divides into two and he gives that one to um, two portions to Sumitra. So therefore we see that she had twins. And this whole, so you know the uh, wives become uh, pregnant and they all become effulgent because they are carrying the amshas like the supreme personality of Godhead in his expansions in their wombs. And the whole pregnancy lasted for six rutus. And one rutu, like during those days, one rutu was for two months. So their pregnancy lasted for 12 months. And everyone in Ayodhya was very eager because they all loved Dashrat Maharaj from their hearts. And they were very eager to see that um, a child is born from Dashrat Maharaj. And they were eager to see the birth of Dashrat Maharaj's sons. So after the 12 months of pregnancy, in the month of Chaitra, which is going on right now, and uh, the Paksha was Shuddha Paksha, the, I think it's called the waxing fortnight, the previous fortnight, not the waning one. And on the Tithi, Navami Tithi, and the Nakshatra was Punarvasu Nakshatra, and the Lagna was Karka. So all the constellations and the planets were auspiciously arranged, and on that ninth day of Chaitra month, Lord Ram took birth from Kaushalya. Lord Sri Ramachandra Ki. So his eyes were mildly reddish, even during his birth, like as a baby form, he was so beautiful to look at. His eyes were mildly reddish, his hands were long, ex extending below his knees, and he had a grave voice, even as a child, like a dundupi, he had a very grave voice. So when all the children are born, like obviously um, Ram is born to Kaushalya, Bharat is born to Kaikeyi, Shatrugna and Lakshmana are born to Sumitra, so all these sons take birth. And there is huge celebrations in Ayodhya because after waiting for so many thousands of years, Dashrat Maharaj had been blessed with four qualified sons. So Dashrat Maharaj arranges huge celebrations. The whole city is decorated opulently. Dashrat Maharaj is giving charities like he is throwing jewels on the streets and you know people are coming and collecting those jewels. He had so much wealth. And all the houses were decorated nicely. People actually decorate themselves nicely. And everyone is rushing to take darshan of Lord Ram in the palace of Dashrat Maharaj. Same, like we see the description when Lord Krishna is born and how there is celebration in Vrindavan. Same way there is celebration going on right now in Ayodhya. So as, uh, and you know, people see that once Ra Lord Ram is born and after he has done all the charities, Dashrat Maharaj picks up Lord Ram. And he straight start walking out to a, like towards the outskirts of the kingdom and without talking to anybody. So everyone is curious and they are feeling a bit fearful also that what has come over Dashrat Maharaj? Why is he walking like this? His son is just born and where is he taking him, this newborn baby? 
But Dashrath Maharaj does not speak to anybody and he does not answer anyone's questions. He keeps walking straight out and he comes to the outskirts of Ayodhya. And over there, there is a huge Gidbar. Gidbar is a vulture. So there is a huge vulture which is sitting over there. And Dashrath Maharaj offers Lord Ram at the feet of this vulture. And this vulture is none other than Jatayu. So there is a pastime behind this. Why Lord uh, Dashrath Maharaj, as soon as Lord Ram is born, he offers him to the lotus uh, feet of Jatayu. So like I was saying, Shanidev would never cast his glance upon Ayodhya. But once what Shanidev does, like, you know, it is described that Dashrath Maharaj would rule the kingdom so nicely that there would be, even if there was a drought in the rest of India for, sometimes there would be droughts even during Treta Yuga. For many, many years, the people of Ayodhya would not even realize there is a drought going on. The uh, Dashrath Maharaj was so expert in ruling his kingdom, like, he would have underground facilities like tanks and wells or whatever where he would store water for years and come to come. So even during drought, people would just leave their lives normally under the shelter of Dashrath Maharaj. And opulence was always there in his kingdom. There was no dearth of Mother Earth giving, you know, returning Dashrath Maharaj's rule by, you know, blessing the kingdom with lots of minerals, gold, diamonds. So it was such an opulent kingdom. Shani Dev was never casting his glance. But once Shani Dev thought that so many thousands of years, I have never cast my eye on Ayodhya. So now let me go and let me, you know, stay in Ayodhya for some time. So the uh, residents of Ayodhya see and even Dashrath Maharaj sees, and this was long before Ram's birth, he sees that Shani Dev is approaching Ayodhya. And they all say, let's prepare for war. How can we allow Shani Dev to come into our kingdom? Like Kshatriyas have that warrior spirit. So they all become ready for the war. And actually there is a huge, it's described in Ramayana, there's a big war which happens between Dashrath Maharaj and Shani Dev. And they are fighting in the sky. And the war, you know, continues for quite a few days. And Shani Dev suddenly strikes Dashrath Maharaj on the chest with his weapon. And Dashrath Maharaj actually falls unconscious and he starts falling from the sky. And obviously he's falling at the speed of gravity. And Jatayu, who was very young at that time, he flies against the speed of gravity and spreads his huge wings. So Jata, Jatayu was a huge bird. When he would sit on the ground, his head would be touching the clouds. He was such a huge bird. So he flies and he quickly spreads his wings and he catches Dashrath Maharaj on his wings. He doesn't allow him to fall down to the earth such that Dashrath Maharaj would get hurt in any way. And he takes him to a safe place and he tends to Dashrath Maharaj and brings him back to consciousness. And Dashrath Maharaj, when he comes back to consciousness, he says, where am I? Why am I not still in that fight with Shani? How did you bring me over here? So then Jatayu explains to him, he says that you had been struck by Shani Dev and you had fallen unconscious and you were falling down from the sky. So I just brought you on my wings and I have uh, brought you over here. So Dashrath Maharaj says, all that is good, but first you take, my, take me back to Shani Dev. I want to quickly finish my fight with him. So again, Jatayu carries him on his wings and takes him back to Shani Dev. And Shani Dev is actually dumbstruck when he sees Dashrath Maharaj come back. Because, you know, what to speak of his glance. If somebody has his glance also that Shani Dasha starts and people can't do anything. But here he has personally struck Dashrath Maharaj on the chest. So he knew from the past that if he strikes someone, they cannot come back to life. They would either die or they would just run away, being, you know, hurt badly. So he is very shocked to see Dashrath Maharaj coming back. And he says, Dashrath Maharaj says, I have come to continue the war with you. And Shani Dev says, what war? I have seen your valor. Don't worry, go away. The war is over. I will not come to Ayodhya. Don't worry about that. 
So Dashrath Maharaj then is peaceful and he comes back to Ayodhya and at that time he gives a uh, vow, like he makes a promise to Jatayu. He says that because you saved my life today, whenever I get a son, right now I don't have any progeny, but whenever I get a son, I will come and uh, give that son to you and you take that, uh, take that son, I will donate that son to you and you look after him. So that was the background. So Dashrath Maharaj brings Lord Ram to Jatayu and he says that, see, I'm keeping my promise. And by this time, Jatayu had become very old. He was already a very old bird. So Jatayu tells Dashrath Maharaj, he is very happy because obviously um, it is it is a, this thing about Raghu, Raghupul that they will always keep their vow. So he says to uh, Dashrath Maharaj, he says that no, you keep your child because I don't know how to raise a human and I am happy for you to raise my son. So you know, Jatayu was considering Lord Ram as his own son. So I am happy for you to raise him. And um, whenever the need arises, I will be there to protect my son and I will be there to serve him if he needs me in the future. So in this way, Jatayu sends Dashrath Maharaj back and Dashrath Maharaj then, you know, obviously Lord Ram and all the children start growing up. Now, if we see the philosophy of Ramayana, we see that it is a, that, that whole Ramayana, the pastime of Lord Ram is one of, full of sacrifice. The whole Ramayana is full of sacrifice and austerities and uh, sorrow. We see a lot of sorrow in Ramayana. So if we see that, uh, if we see Lord Ram, in fact Hanuman tells Lord Ram, he says that I have always seen you in a mood of sacrificing. I have never seen you where you are enjoying and where you are also a bit peaceful. The only time I have seen you peaceful is when you were in Chitraput, li living with Mother Sita and Lakshman. That is the only time I have seen that peace on your face. But otherwise, you are always compassionate. You are always sacrificing for others. Like he accepted to go on in that uh, vanvas for 14 years just to satisfy Mother Kaikeyi, even though he didn't have to. So I have seen that you are always sacrificing, my Lord. So that was Lord Ram. And if we think about all the characters, we see Bharat. So even Bharat led a whole life of sacrifice. He was awarded the kingdom. Kaikai fought for Bharat to have the kingdom and Lord Ram was also happy when Bharat goes to visit him in uh, the forest. And he says, no, you rule the kingdom. I'm completely happy for you to rule. But again we see what did Bharat do? He also sacrificed. He put on the bar, you know, tree barks and matted his hair. He said, if my Lord is eating uh, kandamul, roots and berries, I am also going to live like that only. So he lives on the outskirts of Ayodhya as we know. And he never enters, he never uh, avails of the opulences of the palace. He rules Ayodhya from outside, living like a mendicant, like Lord Ram was living. So even Bharat's many years of his life were full of sacrifice. And this sacrifice was mainly to serve the Lord, to you, for the satisfaction of the Lord. And Lakshman, Lakshman also, he never had to go to the forest. He was not exiled along with Ram, only Ram was exiled to the forest. But Lakshman volunteers to go with Lord Ram because he was in childhood also it's described. Somehow Lakshman became very attached to Lord Ram. They were inseparable and Bharat and Shatrugna become inseparable. So this is how Shatrugna would always keep serving Bharat and Lakshman would always keep serving Ram. But obviously all the three brothers collectively would serve Lord Ram. He was the eldest and the most qualified. So in this way we see even Lakshman led a full life of sacrifice. It is described that during those 14 years of exile, Lakshman would be guarding the kutir where Ram and Sita would be sleeping. So it is described he did not sleep a wink for, this, for those 14 years. And his eyes had become very red because he had not slept for 14 years. So once Nidra Devi comes to him, sleep personified, she comes to him and she says to Lakshman, 
she says that go to sleep for some time i assure you that while you are sleeping i will ensure that no animal like no wild animal not even an insect comes close to this uh, kutir where ram and sita are sleeping but you please sleep for some time because she feels compassionate on lakshman seeing that lakshman has never slept but you know with speaking of me our conditioned souls like us nidra devi is very compassionate <laughs> we get you know for us it is a problem controlling sleep we keep sleeping like you know we have for us it is a great effort to get up especially in winter in the mornings and all that um, but with lakshman she had to come and request please go to sleep for some time i will ensure nobody comes over here but lakshman refuses he says that no this is my vow to look after ram and sita while they are over here how can i go to sleep like that but then lakshman requests her he says that you please go to ayodhya and go to my wife urmila because i have not slept for 14 years so she has also taken a vow and she has also not slept for 14 years so please go to her and please bless her that she gets some sleep so we see lakshman in a sacrificing spirit but even urmila was completely in a sacrificing spirit so nidra devi actually follows the order of lakshman to please him she actually goes to ayodhya and she tells urmila devi that your husband lakshman has sent me and please accept some sleep you go to sleep you are not guarding anybody so you don't have to be awake all the time and your husband has actually ordered me to come and serve you like this and urmila devi uh, again refuses she says that no till my husband is not sleeping i am not going to sleep for a wink only when he returns here and i can see that he is peaceful and resting then i will also take rest he says but if you want to grant me some boon grant me grant a boon that my husband never even for a moment thinks of me when he's on the forest now imagine a wife asking for this boon like you know if her husband's speaking of ladies like me if her husband doesn't give us attention for some time we you know wives usually get upset that you are ne- neglecting me not showing your love what you know what is going on like wives want husband's attention want husband's love want pyar uh, warm you know the reciprocation of warmth and all that and definitely they will want their hus- want their husbands to be thinking of their, them but yeah urmila devi is asking for that boon that lakshman should not be thinking of me even for a moment all his thoughts should only be for uh, ram and mother sita please grant me that boon so we see the spirit of sacrifice which is there and speaking of sita mata even she is you know i don't have to elaborate on her life but everyone there is a competition in ramayana for every character to sacrifice and live a life of sacrifice for the pleasure of lord ram and that is one of the greatest things we learn from ramayana the spirit of sacrifice which and the spirit of detachment from their own desires and from their own sense gratification but living a life of sacrifice so that you know the sacrificing our own comforts and desires so that lord ram is pleased or krishna is pleased that is that is what we learn from ramayana today like you know when we are discussing all these pastimes it is a book full of sacrifice it is that whole pastime of lord ram is where people are just ready to sacrifice everything they have including lord ram himself he was ready to sacrifice the kingdom at a moment's notice he left everything just on the day of his uh, um, being crowned as the king he was detached sacrifice the kingdom left he sacrificed his wife just to establish that he is an ideal king and an ideal ruler he listened to a washerman's words and he sacrificed his wife and sent her away so everybody in ramayan is 
you know, has the spirit of sacrifice, which teaches us how to surrender in the spirit of sacrifice to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Because unless we give up our comforts and we sacrifice our desires, we will not be able to firmly serve the desires of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this is, these are some of the teachings we learn from the Ramayana. And uh, we see that even Radharani, like, you know, this is on a side note, like, Lord Ram was Raghuvanshi, so he was, they were all Surya Vamshis, Ikshvaku dynasty, which was Surya Vamshi, and even Radharani was actually a Raghuvamshi. She was also born in that dynasty, because it is described, one of the kings who came in the lineage of Ikshvaku and sun god, he actually established the place called Barsana, where then Radharani took birth. So she is also a Surya Vamshi, like, in, coming in the lineage of Lord Ram. And the pastimes are there when Lord Ram becomes big, Vishwamitra Muni comes, or Vashishta Muni does the Namakaran for all the children. And then Vishwamitra Muni comes to take away Lord Ram for a few days. And the whole pastime is there of how they kill uh, Subahu and Marichi. But there is a beautiful pastime before that when Vishwamitra Muni actually asks Dashrat Maharaj that I have come. So as soon as he comes, Dashrat Maharaj was very good at serve. He was Raja Rishi. So he's serves the uh, Vishwamitra Muni very nicely and he offers, whenever a saint would come, he would offer his whole kingdom. Say that my whole kingdom is yours, please accept it. And Vishwamitra Muni told Dashrat Maharaj that no, I have come, not come to accept your kingdom, I have come to ask for your uh, two boys, Ram and Lakshman. Because I have taken a vow to complete a certain number of sacrifices in the forest. But there are these demons, Subahu and Marichi and this demon is Taraka, who are continuously disrupting the sacrifice by uh, you know, putting plus blood, urine, stool, all those things on the sacrifice. They are not allowing these Vedic sacrifices to go on. And when Dashrat Maharaj hears that, it is said that Dashrat Maharaj falls unconscious. And you know how many days Vishwamitra Muni had asked for Ram and Lakshman to go with him? Only for nine days, I think. So Dashrat Maharaj could not bear separation from Lord Ram even for a moment. Lord Ram was so dear to Dashrat Maharaj. All the residents of Ayodhya and therefore we see when Lord Ram was banished, the residents of Ayodhya, Lord Ram was so dear to all of them that they all were ready to sacrifice the whole kingdom and their house and everything and they were ready to go with Lord Ram and they actually left. In fact, Lord Ram had to trick all of them and then go away silently and secretly away from all of them but they were all ready to go and reside with Lord Ram in the forest. So this is how dear Lord Ram was to everyone. So Dashrat Maharaj falls down unconscious. And when he is woken up from his unconsciousness, he actually says that, Vishwamitra Muni, please don't take my life away from me. I will come. You want the protection from these demons? I will come along with my Akshohini, uh, big Akshohinis of uh, army. I will come to kill these demons. But Vishwamitra Muni says he becomes angry. So he is a Brahma Rishi and everybody knows about the anger of Vishwamitra Muni. So he said, okay, if you don't want to give your sons, I am going from here. But then there are Kulguru, who was Vashishta Muni, who comes over there. And he says that Vishwamitra Muni is Trikal Gyani. And he knows, you know, what is in store for your sons. And definitely when your sons overgo with him, everything will be auspicious. So then Dashrat Maharaj is a bit pacified when Vashishta Muni gives him that assurance. And he sends Ram and Lakshman. And he was more worried because Ram and Lakshman were just becoming teenagers. I think they were 12 or 13 years old when Vishwamitra Muni had come to ask for them. And that, is the, that was the worry, like the Shrat Maharaj was having paternal love, even though Ram is the supreme personality of Godhead, he was worried who will protect him and who will, how will he fight all these big, big demons for which Vishwamitra Muni is taking. 
But when Vashishta assures him, he sends uh, Ram and Lakshman. And then the whole pastime is there of how La Lord Ram kills Subahu. And with Marichi, he strikes an arrow on Marichi. So Marichi was a magician. He could appear, disappear. He had all these powers. So he strikes an arrow in his heart. And that arrow takes Marichi 18,000 yojanas away. So this forest was there somewhere close to Ayodhya in the north. And he takes him, that arrow takes him 18,000 yojanas away in the Indian Ocean, which is in the south, down south. And it says that he lands in that ocean and Marichi was unconscious for six months in that ocean because of the power of that uh, arrow which Lord Ram shot. And then when he comes back to uh, consciousness, it is described that he takes VRS, voluntary retirement. <laughs> he says, I don't want to fight anymore and I don't want to practice these siddhis and this, you know, going and trying to, because they were all soldiers, like they were all rep representatives or servants of Ravana. So he takes retirement and he says, I am not going to fight. And it is described that even if he would hear the word Ram coming from some direction, he would run away from that direction. You know, he, there was so much fear in his heart about Lord Ram. So therefore, later on when Ravana goes to Marichi to ask for his help to become that golden gear, Marichi gives sound advice to Ravana. He says, you are talking about Lord Ram and he describes how Lord Ram had put that arrow, struck that arrow on his chest and what had happened. So he says, you know, you're crack if you're wanting to, you know, take panga with Lord Ram. Don't, don't your battle with Lord Ram because this is what had happened. But then obviously, Ravana did not receive, you know, listen to any good advice. His wife gave him good advice. Vipishan gave him good advice. But he wasn't listening to anybody's good advice. So then Marichi obviously had to become the golden deer and he was killed by Lord Ram. So we see these pastimes continue after Subahu and Marichi are killed. Taraka is also killed by Lord Ram. And then uh, Vishwamitra Muni takes them to the kingdom of Janak. Janak Maharaj who is one of the Mahajans. And that whole Sita Kalyanam pastime happens over there where Lord Ram very easily not only strings the bow, uh, but he also breaks it into pieces. And then the whole marriage ceremony takes place. But we'll end the class over here because it's 9 o'clock. Ramayana is huge. There are so many pastimes. But we'll end over here. And if there's any questions or comments. Yes, Prabhuji. Um, where does Ravana, how does he come into the story? I don't remember reading about Ravana, but he just seems to have popped up. I can't recall. Uh, Ravana was there much before Lord Ram. Hmm. He was a demon who prays for some boons and Brahma grants him lots of boons. Like he had asked like Hiranyakashipu, he prays for boons not to be killed by demigods, Gandharas. Siddhas, Rishi, like you know all these boons he asks for and he becomes Im almost immortal and um, in fact it is described that even when Ravana was flying once over uh, the sky, this was many years before Ram and Sita had appeared and he sees a beautiful lady meditating, that was I think Vedavati who Sita, who was like Sita was Vedavati in her previous lifetime and he, he tries to you know molest her because she was so beautiful and he cur she curses him because she was sitting in meditation and praying to get Vishnu as her husband. But Ravana comes in between and he tries to molest her. So he had stolen the airplane of Kuvera, I think. And he used to use that airplane to fly around. And then Vedavati curses him that in my next lifetime I will come as, I will once again come and I will be the cause of your destruction. So now she comes as Sita, Vedavati comes as Sita and she becomes the cause of destruction of, Ram, of Ravana and she also says that because you have tried to molest me forcefully, so when Ram tries, Ravana tries to molest him for her forcefully, she 
self ignites a fire and she gives up her body so she says that this body was meant only to be touched by the supreme personality of godhead but you have touched this body so i'm going to give up this body but in my next lifetime i will come i will be the cause of your destruction and from now onwards if you try to take any woman by force your head will crack open so that is why you know even the ravana had captured sita he was not able to enjoy with her because that curse was there on him if he forcefully tries to enjoy with a woman um he will be there so ravana appears because obviously you know the original pastime is the jayan vijay curse the kumaras curse the jayan vijay and they accept that they will take birth as three three lifetime three lifetimes of uh, demon births so ravana and kumbhakarna that was one of the lifetime this jayan vijay come so that is how the connection is in this pastime Thank you very much. Any other questions or comments? Yes, Prince. Krishna's pastime, we see how uh, Krishna appeared through the mind of Vasudev, he entered the mind of Devaki, and then in the womb, and then he appeared in a very majestic way, showing that he is the Supreme Lord. And of course, Lord Ramadan was doing more humanly pastime, but then he stayed in the womb for 12 months. Is there any description of is majestic appearance he really came as you know very humanly i think he i i don't remember reading about this probably but i think he takes birth in the you because he had come as a human being he takes birth in the human form of way and even like he stayed in the womb for 12 months but even krishna stayed in the womb of devaki for quite a few months because it is described no like every day devaki's beauty would increase her effulgence would increase and that would strike fear in kamsa's heart like every day looking at the beauty of devaki he was realizing that looks like that eighth child the supreme personality of god has has now taken shelter in her womb so even krish devaki had her pregnancy for how many months i don't know but minimum for 9 months she also had a pregnancy but then he appears outside you're right he appears outside as vishnu and then he takes the baby form so i haven't uh, read that the uh, ram takes birth in any other way it's not described he first appears as vishnu i think he takes birth as lord normal baby child only Gopavrindesh, Prabhu, you have any information? I know that stayed in the womb for a while. Yeah. So now looks like a normal. And there is not much description in the Ramayana of the childhood pastimes of Lord Ram. Like, and that is why we see Krishna's birth is even more special. That incarnation is even more special because the childhood, sweet childhood pastimes of Krishna are so elaborately described. He had you like long time of childhood pastimes were there. but lord ram's childhood pastimes are not described much because again the whole spirit of ramayana is that of sacrifice and you know establishing dharma ram rajya ideal king that was the whole purpose of lord ram's appearance mm-hmm. okay we will end the class over here granthraj shrimad bhagavatam ki ramachandra bhagwan ki jay nitai gopi manan